Thanks for listening to Matt McLaughlin History. Become a subscriber to receive exclusive bonus episodes, ad-free listening, early access to all episodes, and special member-only events. Click on the link in the show notes or visit patreon.com forward slash mmhistory. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is the Living History Podcast, broadcasting live across the airwaves. Hello everyone, welcome to Living History and I'd like to also welcome a very special guest we have uh, with us today. Uh, We've been talking about our World War II cruise we have coming up and one of the historians who's coming on that cruise is joining me today, it's Keiko Tamura. Thank you very much for being on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. This cruise that we're doing in August next year, it's going to be, I think, a really wonderful experience. And the highlight of the cruise will be the conference program we have uh, during the sea days. Um, And I think a lot of people are looking forward to your contribution to that conference because of your perspective on the Japanese aspect of the Second World War. Why don't we start, can you take us back a little bit and tell us how did you even end up in Australia and and tell us about the work that you've done since you've been in Australia? Yeah, well, it's a long story because I've been here for quite a long time. Um, I came here with one year scholarship. Uh, I didn't know anything about Australia. It's just that scholarship can organise this Rotary Club wanted me to come to Australia. And then I did uh, degrees uh, in anthropology at the Australian National University. And uh, my PhD topic was on Japanese war brides. So Japanese women who married uh, Australian soldiers in occupied Japan. And so uh, my interest was mainly post-war uh, Australia, Japan, and Australia-Japan relations. But during that time, uh, towards the end of my PhD, um, Australia-Japan research project started at the War Memorial. Uh, this project was a um, Japanese government-funded project to kind of mark the 50th anniversary of the end of the Pacific War. And that's the beginning of my involvement in uh, the military history side of uh, uh, Australian history. Why do you think it's important that we in Australia make the effort to have an understanding of the Japanese perspective? Because I think... I think in Australia we suffer, like many nations do, from focusing only on our own story. And particularly when it comes to the Second World War, we can tell the story of Kokoda or Milne Bay or um, the Battle of the Coral Sea. We can tell it. We can tell any of these chapters, but we tend to do it only from our own perspective. Why is it important that we understand the Japanese story as well? Well, war is between two uh, nations and two peoples, and then again it becomes quite individual experiences. And, of course, it's, in a sense, much easier to tell 
a story from one side with a bravery, courage, and uh, uh, other aspect. But in order to understand the more human side of the war, um, it's not just the victory and defeat, suffering, and then a sense of uh, in Australian sense of mateship and other things. I think um, it's it's very important to know why the other side won't uh, get into the war, what they were thinking about when they were fighting, and what kind of experiences they had. And I think by doing that, it's not just a military history of from one side, but I think it becomes much wider human experience uh, related to this kind of huge turmoil, uh, which happened in somewhere outside, say, Australia and outside Japan. And so it becomes more, I think, first of all, I think, interesting, but also meaningful for lots of people. Do you think, from an Australian perspective, our perception of the Japanese soldier, the Japanese people during the Second World War, do you think we have an accurate understanding of Japan and the Japanese people during the Second World War? It's difficult to say whether that's accurate or not, but I can certainly uh, uh, say that Australian um, public and the military historians are putting quite a lot of effort to understand Japanese perspective. Um, but in, uh, there is a um, language barrier uh, to start with, and also military culture, Japanese military culture during the Pacific War is quite peculiar. It's not the uh, norm for Japanese culture. I think during that period, it's a very, in many ways, anomalies or abnormal uh, kind of sense of uh, nation and world and other things. So it's not that easy, even for Japanese, contemporary Japanese, to understand what the Japanese soldiers and also Japanese public were thinking during that time. So, yeah, it's a very complicated story. Well, part of your uh, role on the cruise will be to hopefully help us understand that story a little bit better. But as you said in our discussions and the conversations I've had with you about it, um, the personal stories are, are what motivate you to learn more and what you know a lot about. Um, is that the aspect of the cruise that you're looking forward to shedding light on, the personal stories, the the, the human involvement in, in the Second World War? Yes, that's the area that I've been always interested in. And then not just uh, soldiers' experiences, but I'm also interested in, say, uh, military nurses' experience. Japanese and Australian military nurses were also involved in the Pacific War. And then also I've been interested uh, in uh, local islanders' experiences. And those are the, um, it's very difficult to generalize it, their experience. So what I can maybe uh, uh, introduce is some of the personal stories and then the people who learn those stories might be able to kind of picture the time and the location and circumstances. And I hope those uh, information uh, will be, um, kind of, first of all, interesting. And also, I hope uh, that will become very useful to 
can understand what was happening then and what people were thinking, what people were doing. I'm sure it will be very warmly received by the the people in our group. And you mentioned there the story of the local people. It seems to me that we as Australians, we know a lot about the Australian story. We know much, much less about the Japanese story, but we know virtually nothing about what happened to the local people. And I spend a lot of time in New Guinea, a lot of time in the Solomon Islands. There's a very strong cultural story, a very strong cultural history, a very human element to what the people who were there were suffering through during this fighting. And this was on their homeland. We, you know, we talk about New Guinea or the Solomon Islands or some remote place, like it was just some uninhabited area. It wasn't at all. There were so many local people so heavily involved. So I think it's really wonderful that the, the work you've done to tell their stories as well. Mm, I hope uh, I will be able to uh, make some contribution to the, to the discussion and also uh, at the conference as well. Also, we're going, it's not just about the conference, we're visiting a couple of very key battle sites, and I know you're not specifically a military historian, but uh, have you been up to these sites before, to Milne Bay and Rabal? Are you looking forward to actually walking this ground where these uh, where this history unfolded? Well, uh, particularly at Rabal, because uh, as uh, people might know, there were 100,000 Japanese uh, at the end of the war in Rabal. And then I, I also worked with the military nurses, who um, were working in the Rabaul, Japanese Naval Hospital in Rabaul. So I read a lot about Rabaul, and I'm really, look, I'm really looking forward to visit there. It's, the story of Rabaul could be a whole – we could run a whole tour in its own right just going to Rabaul because there was the story of Australia's first action of the First World War and then in the Second World War the Japanese arriving and fighting with the Australians in 1942 – and then this long period of occupation and this growing to become the most important base in the Southwest Pacific for the Japanese. And then, of course, a base that there was never any fighting there to capture it. They, they simply bypassed it. So I think Rabaul is one of those really interesting little smaller chapters, one of the sub-chapters of this, this much longer story about the, uh, about the Second World War. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there, there were both uh, army, Japanese army and Japanese navy uh, stationed in Rabaul. And the uh, Rabaul was one of the very uh, rare cases that Navy and Army uh, worked together because they were isolated and they had to work together. And, the, um, and not only that... Uh... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, there were Catholic nuns, Australian Catholic nuns, um, interned, I think, in Rabaul, well, south of Rabaul. So there were lots of, as you said, stories uh, in that area that we can kind of tease out. I'm probably going to be touching on areas here that you're going to speak more about on the on the cruise itself, but I'm interested just in in one aspect of this of this Japanese experience. How how do modern Japanese people how do they relate to that? How do they how do they rationalize this period of history which was so violent and and the 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 behavior of the Japanese in many instances was was terrible? In many ways, the German people have had to do the same thing. How, how, as a modern Japanese person, do you come to terms with this very dark chapter of your history that was only seven decades ago? That's a very difficult question. And as an uh, issue, uh, I think, uh, as you might have heard of uh, Japanese textbook uh, issues been uh, uh, going on for quite a long time. That Japanese uh, students in, say, junior high school, senior high school, they don't have much chance to learn, particularly about the pre-Pacific War, Pacific War, and post-Pacific War period. So one problem is that people don't know much about it. So since they don't have much information, they don't know much. It's very difficult to come to terms with it. So when, uh, say, Japanese young uh, university students or high school students come to visit Australia and they come to visit the Australian War Memorial in the Pacific War Gallery or the World War II Gallery, and I gave tour to some of those groups, and they often say, I didn't know anything about those things. You know, um, because particularly in uh, Japan, the Pacific War is regarded as a war between Japan and the United States. So people don't know much about the war in New Guinea and war against Australia. So one m- most important thing in Japan is that uh, young people, but also older people too, should learn more about the war. To start with, and then how they can come to terms with it, uh, whether it's um, you conclude that it was just a strange period that uh, fascism kind of controlled everybody, or do Japanese have that tendency of kind of grouping together and then follow the leader, uh, even though the leader might be very uh, kind of uh, how do you say, fascist uh, uh, kind of tendency. That's something Japanese also have to think about. But I think Jap- Japanese in general are still coming to terms with it. It's an um, ongoing process, even after 70 odd years. Yeah. They talk in Germany about the idea of collective guilt, that, that, that there's a there's always a constant debate in Germany as to whether the nation of Germany should bear responsibility 
or whether it was simply a group of people that were there at the time. Japan must have that same struggle to to come to terms with that. What's, what, just what's your opinion about that? Does Japan as a nation bear responsibility for the actions of individuals during the war? Or do you think it's better to consign that to history and look to the future? Um, that's a very uh, complex question. I think comparing with Germany, Japanese case, uh, the war ended with Hiroshima and Nagasaki with two atomic bombs. And also the, well, in, similar to Germany, uh, large scale air raids. So for a long time, Japanese memory of the war was this victim's food. So there was suffering, but ordinary people suffered. Uh, people who didn't have any uh, fault suffered. But then in the last, say, 20 years, uh, I think Japan as an aggressor, in, particularly in Asia, that became quite um, accepted. And then that's related to issues like comfort women's issues. Um, and that and also forced labor uh, uh, of um, Korean um, people, and that's still a, at the moment. This is you know 2019 contemporary issue. The big uh, kind of controversial issue between Japan and Korea at the moment. So uh, nation uh, responsibility. Certainly, that um, is huge, um, but I think individual have to real, uh, accept, acknowledge the the responsibility of people who were led by those leaders. Yeah, but it's a very difficult thing for Japanese to accept that. Ordinary people had the responsibility since for the last, say, 50 years, Japanese kind of general sentiment was the military was the one who was responsible. We were uh, guiltless, you know, we, so kind of there was a very kind of basic level Shift of thinking that Japanese have had Japanese people have to accept and also make, and it takes time. Well, KK, your uh, your uh, ideas about this and your uh, your input into this topic are going to be absolutely wonderful, and I think the most one of the most interesting aspects of the cruise. Um, and it's the thing that I think is going to be so great about the cruise is this is not just one presentation at a conference. This is a solid 10 days where we have the opportunity to explore these things over many days with the passages on the tour. So I'd say to everyone listening, I, I hope you've enjoyed just this brief conversation we've had with Keiko and, and the opportunity to do it for a lengthy version of that on the cruise is going to be really wonderful. So the cruise is in August 2020. We'd love everyone to join us. And Keiko, just thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you very much, Matt. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.